I'm excited about today. Turn to the person next to you and just tell them, I've been waiting all week to see your face. Would you tell them that? All week, all week to see your face in this place. And I'm excited about what God's going to share with us and uh, do in our lives today. You know, the Apostle Paul knew what it's like to be overwhelmed. Listen to what he writes in his letter to the Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 1. Paul says, we think you ought to know, dear brothers and sisters, this is his time of just getting it off his chest, we think you ought to know about the trouble we went through. We were, what's that word? Overwhelmed beyond our ability to endure. We were overwhelmed. Have you ever felt overwhelmed by situations in life and things going on around you or in your life, in your world? I, I got to tell you, I didn't have it as bad as Paul but can I, can I give you a glimpse into my week this week, this past week? Okay, so it started off actually the week prior, toward the end of the week prior. We, if you don't know, we got new asphalt this uh, summer and uh, on both of our parking lots to the tune of $145,000. Big chunk of money, and uh, we knew going into that, it was just, <laughs> uh, we did a lot of praying and a lot of fundraising. But... With that said, anytime you lay new asphalt, I was in construction for a while, and anytime you lay new asphalt or concrete, the first rain is really indicative of where your low spots are. You really don't know where they are and where the puddling is going to happen until your first rain. We had our first rain a couple of weeks ago, and when we had our first rain, we ended up with some pretty severe puddling toward the end of the building, the north end of the building near the school, and it began to creep, almost creep into a classroom. This was because of what we have done with the asphalt. So with all that said, had conversation, multiple conversations with the contractor, um, and some of them were not pretty, I'll just put it that way. Um, some of them ended up a little bit of argumentative. I think we're okay now, but these are issues that we're dealing with, so you can continue to pray. But that was uh, two weeks ago, and now coming into this week, the flooding is still there, and we're squeegeeing, and we've got a submersible pump that we're pumping out the water, and okay, that was the beginning of my week, and uh, then in the process also this last month, we ended up changing our phone and internet provider, and in doing that, we went to fiber optics, which that's, everybody's doing that, right? Well, when we did that, it affected our alarm system. And so we've been dealing with, <laughs> I've been dealing with um, our alarm company and getting a new contract, getting a new system, getting a new upgrade. I was literally here yesterday from 10 to 2 with a technician. He's been here three days. Now he still has to come back on Monday to get it all set up and wired and all that good. That's, that's another part of my um, week. Wednesday, I came into the office. If you didn't know, we went to Disneyland. My kids from Atlanta were here, a daughter and her husband and, and grandbaby. And all of us as a family went to Disneyland on Tuesday for Bryce and Brooke's birthday. We were there. We got home at almost 1 o'clock in the morning. Shannon and Abe had to catch a flight back to Atlanta, and we had to have them to the airport at 5 the next morning. So how many, count with me, do the math, how many hours of sleep did we get? Maybe, <laughs> not even four, you know, kind of thing. So that's the way it started out Wednesday morning, took him to the airport, came home, I crashed a couple more hours, and then came into the office. I was in the office at 8 o'clock, and um, then about 9 o'clock, I'm actually meeting with the contractor for the asphalt, and 9 o'clock, I get a call from my wife, 
And if you were here a couple of years ago, my wife um, had these sudden nosebleeds, and she had another massive nosebleed. Um, we're talking like bleeding out of her nose for 20 to 30 minutes. And um, two years ago, she went in, had some things done, cauterizing different things, and it seemed to work. And all of a sudden, Wednesday morning, it hit. So got the asphalt issues, got the alarm company issues, got my wife's health on my mind, right? And then we were told by my mom, if you don't know, my mom um, is dealing with dementia. We were told that someone called her and she gave out her social security number to a person on the phone. <laughs> so this week I have been contacting the three credit agencies, filing all this paperwork, contacting her banks, trying to protect her assets. We're not sure if she really did or not, but just to be safe. So if you ever have to do that, come talk to me because I've been down that road now. So I can let you know all about that. So that's kind of been my week. Just this week, not month, week. And then I have to put a study together about peace because that's today's topic. And I got to be honest, I sat down in my office after dealing with Dee Dee at home on Wednesday, came back to the office and I sat down and I just said, really, God, can we change the topic? Because... This, this one is not a part of who I am right now. The Apostle Paul wrote about peace. In fact, it's a passage that we looked at just a few weeks ago. And it's a passage that we have looked at several times here at Pathway Church. Um, he wrote about peace, but it's interesting that in writing about peace, he starts out talking about worry. <laughs> Take a look. Paul says, don't worry about anything. I read that, and I, I, honestly, I have this little scripture cube on my desk, and it has like, like six different scriptures on it. And I looked up when I said, really, God? I looked up, and the side facing me is this passage. Don't worry about anything. And I said, have you seen my week, God? Instead, pray about everything. So my question to you is, did you worry about anything this week? Just slip up a hand if you worried about anything this week. Anything at all, okay? Um, you need to know that you're not alone. Worry affects us, right? If you're not worried about something today, tomorrow you probably will be. Sorry, I don't mean to burst your bubble, but that's, that's just the truth. Worry affects us. It affects us at home, at school, at work. Worry affects our appetite. It affects our sleep. It affects our attitude. It affects our relationships. Psychology Today website gives us tips to manage worrying. This is an interesting, interesting study. A PhD for um, uh, psychology today, a psychologist, gives us tips to manage worry in our lives. Listen to the circular thinking of this. First, they say, problem solve, don't worry. <laughs> so, so instead of, I, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm chuckling because I chuckled when I read this article. Uh, instead of worrying, just figure it out. And, and, and so, sarcastically, I ask, why do you think I'm worrying, <laughs> right? I'm trying to figure it out. 
Anybody else like me in that? Okay, that's a tough one. I can't, I can't figure it out on my own. Here's another tip they suggest. Learn to accept uncertainties. Hmm. How many of you control freaks are okay with that? <laughs> I don't like uncertainty, right? Listen to this one. Try to lift your mood. Again, it's like get away from negative thinking because a, a negative thinking affects your mood. Really? I haven't noticed. <laughs> right? Here's the last one. This is the one I laughed at the most. Manage the times when you worry. If you, if you know how to do that, can you please tell me? Because I've never been able to master that one. The antidote for worry isn't a program or a plan or a philosophy. Paul tells us, look what he says. He says, it's God. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then you will experience God's what? Peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. I want you to circle two words. If you've got an outline there in front of you, should have. It's full page. I want you to fill in the blanks and stuff, but I want you to circle two words in that passage. Would you circle the word worry? Say it with me. Worry and peace. Peace. Worry and peace. In the original Greek, if you don't know, the New Testament was written in Greek and then later translated into English so that, into English, <laughs> English so that we can understand it and read it. And these words, worry and peace in the Greek, oh man, they have some really good meaning for us. The English word worry is translated from the Greek verb um, marinao. And marinao means to go to pieces. <laughs> Doesn't that explain worry? I mean, think about it. We know that feeling. We know that feeling of how worry causes us just to fall apart. And if we worry long enough, we really just fall apart. We feel like everything is falling into pieces. That's what it feels like when we worry. But the English word for peace that's translated from the Greek comes from a Greek word, irene, which means joined together in wholeness. So we've got falling to pieces on one side and join together in wholeness on the other side. And God says, don't worry, come to God with your issues. And when you do, you will experience peace. You will experience the, the pieces coming together in wholeness. Hmm. Interesting. This is the kind of peace that the Christmas story reveals to us in Luke 2. Take a look. That night, there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Now, I want you to think about being a shepherd. You've, you've taken the graveyard shift. Some of you may have worked that shift, or maybe you're doing it now. You're working in the fields outside of Jerusalem, probably the suburbs of Jerusalem. The sheep are settled in for the night. They're just starting to get into their sleep pattern. And it says, suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. Out of nowhere, in the dark of night, this angel appears and lights up the landscape. Don't miss this. This is not like living in the city with all of our streetlights. This is pitch black, and all of a sudden, boom, this angel lights up the sky. They were so afraid, but the angel reassured them. Don't be afraid, he said. I bring you, what's those next two words? Good news. Wow, that's really good. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. Now, 
You may think that the story really of the shepherds is about joy, but I disagree. And you're going to see why in just a minute. I think it's about peace. We're going to talk about joy in a couple of weeks, um, about the gift that God brings of joy. But today, I want you to circle this word, all. Great joy to all people. This message is, is good news for all people. See, the thing that we have a tendency to miss is that Christmas is all about a message of good news for everyone. And how we see that, it's been proven by by this good news in who it came to first. I mean, think about this for just a minute. God sent an angel to give the message to shepherds. Now, I know for for us, we don't live in that culture and we don't really understand how that culture operates, but in that day, shepherds were the outcasts. I mean, they, they would have been featured on Micro's show, you know, Discovery Channel, Dirty Jobs. I mean, that, that's, that's who they were. Shepherds were dirty people. They were seen as dirty people, not just physically and physical hygiene-wise, but spiritually, they were considered to be dirty, unclean. So they were not allowed to worship at the temple. They were considered ceremonially unclean. But the angel came with a message for everyone. And who does he share it to? The shepherds. Huh. No matter who you are, no matter what you've done, no matter where you've been. That's the message that comes through this. That God has a message of good news for all people. It's everyone. Verse 11 says, the angel says, the Savior has been born today in Bethlehem the city of David, and you will recognize him by this sign. Come on, read it with me. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth lying in a manger. Now, ironically, think about it. If you're a shepherd, ironically, a manger would have been very familiar to you. I mean, a manger was basically a feeding trough where hay or feed, animal feed was put in a stable probably and cattle and donkeys and goats would gather around a manger, a feeding trough to eat. So the birth of the baby in a manger happened in anonymity at first, but then all of a sudden it wasn't just one angel, it was a host of angels that broke loose in song. Take a look at this. Suddenly... The angel was joined by a vast host of others praising God, saying, Glory to God in highest heaven and what? Peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. Now, of course, God gets the glory. He's making this happen. That makes sense. But the part that grabs me is the peace part. Peace to those with whom God is pleased. The original language of this text gives us the context that peace is given to those whom God is pleased to give it to. Did you catch that? Peace is given to those whom God is pleased to give it to. Wow. So what kind of peace? That's our same word. It's the same word that Paul used back in Philippians. It's irene. It means to join together in wholeness, putting the pieces back together so that you feel whole again. That's the peace that God offers everyone in the Christmas story. That's the good news of Christmas. But here's the kicker. That's the peace that God offers you and I today. And that's good news 
on December 8, 2019. It's for us. That no matter what kind of week you've had, thankfully, we can have peace. And we don't have to have worry or stress, anxiety. We all long for peace, right? I mean, we, we want peace in different areas of our life. We, we may want peace of mind or we want some peace at work or maybe peace in some relationship that we're involved in. Maybe we, we just want peace just to help us in what we're facing. We long for peace, but, but peace is lacking in our lives. And it's something that God comes at Christmas time to remind us of that He gives peace. It's not something that we can find in a plan or a program or a philosophy, some method. He gives it, He gives this peace, and it's found in Jesus. The Apostle Paul tells us, I want you to get this down, that Jesus offers me peace. With God. That's one of the first kinds of peace. It's the best kind of peace. Peace with God. Paul writes, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ our Lord has done for us. We are not naturally at peace with God. Paul tells us that our sin has separated us from God. It's separated us. We don't have a relationship with him. And it's only through our faith in what Jesus has done on the cross that we are brought into a relationship of peace with God. That we can experience that. Paul adds in Colossians 1, Through Christ, God reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything by means of Christ's blood. On the cross. See, think about this. Without Jesus dying on the cross, there would be no peace. And without Jesus being born in a manger, there would be no cross. And so you see how this was God's plan all along. He wanted to bring peace into our lives. He, it was a, good, a message of good news, not just of joy, but of peace. And I don't know about you, but that's the thing that I miss a lot is peace in life. Because there's so many things that pop into our week, that drop into our week, that suddenly hit us that we are not expecting that creates anxiety and stress and worry. And I struggle to find peace. I bet you do too. Many passages, Paul tells us that Jesus offers me peace with others. And maybe that's another fill in the blank. Maybe that's an issue that you have. Maybe that's an area that you need to work in and work on. That God is wanting to help you with your relationship with other people. Maybe there's someone in your life. Here it is in a holiday season and sometimes that just accentuates the issue. It makes family gatherings difficult sometimes because we're at odds with someone and it makes it hard. And there's two passages on your outline that you can see, Ephesians 2 and Colossians 3, that talk about how Paul says that Jesus offers me peace with others. We go through challenges in life, but one of the most difficult is when we have problems in relationships, and all of us know that. Where there where there is a, a disagreement or when we're at odds with someone, and that's when we need peace. And I believe 
that that's what God says, I want to offer it to you. If you want a little bit more about that peace with others, I encourage you to jump on our podcast and listen to part four of our fruit series um, because we talked a lot about that then. Here's the one, though, that gets me, and this is the one that I felt applied to my life this week. Jesus offers me peace in life. Peace in life. And how I see this is in a passage that moves me every time I read it. Jesus was talking to his closest 12 followers, the disciples, about how that he was going to be going to the cross and he would die and he would go away. And they were freaking out. They had followed him for over three years and they didn't know how to respond to this. And when his followers were most stressed and most worried, Jesus speaks these words to him in John 14. Listen to this. Jesus says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. Don't let your hearts be troubled and don't be afraid. Wow. That's our word again. Our word for peace, irene, means to join together in wholeness. Jesus is saying, I want to give you this peace. I want to offer it to you. And this week, I took that personally. Don't let your hearts be troubled, Bart. Don't, don't let your heart be stressed. Don't let your heart be worried. Jesus gives us peace. And maybe that's for someone here today. That you need to know that Jesus wants to bring this peace into your life. He wants to put the pieces back together so that you can feel whole again. That is good news for you and I today. So in Luke 2, the question I have is, did the, did the shepherds have to go to see the baby? No. I mean, did they have a choice? The angel said, this is going to happen. But they had a choice, didn't they? I mean, they didn't have to do anything. They could have easily ignored it. They, they, they could have easily thought, you know what? We're too busy. We're keeping, you know, watch over our flocks. We've got a job to do. We, we can't go. It's, it's going to have to happen some other time. What about you? I mean, maybe this season... You need to ask yourself a question. Do I need to go to Jesus to experience what he wants to give me? Do I need to go to Jesus? You say, well, that's not real profound. But profound. I, I, I realize that. But do you know that so many times we skate right through Christmas season without ever thinking about Jesus? Now, I mean, you know, we see him in the manger scene and the nativity and, you know, we're at somebody's house or maybe our house and we have a little nativity set set up and it's all, oh, it's about the baby Jesus. You tell that to kids and all that kind of stuff. And I get all of that. And we, we think about him in that way, but do we ever take time in the Christmas season to do what the shepherds did to actually go to him with our lives, to stop what we're doing and go to him. Hmm. It says, so when the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. And look what it says. They hurried, by the way, that's the first Christmas rush right there. They hurried, that was funny. They hurried to, not Walmart, they hurried to the village and found Mary and Joseph and there was the baby lying in a manger. It's exactly what the angels had told them. You'll find a baby lying in a manger. 
There he was. You know what I saw there? The shepherds found what they were looking for. And my question to ask is, what are we looking for this Christmas season? What are you looking for? If it's peace, the only place you're going to find it is in Jesus. They found Jesus lying in a manger, but it was more than a baby in a manger. See, 700 years earlier, 700 years before this baby was lying in a manger, the prophet Isaiah predicted this. For a child is born to us, a son is given to us, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. So this baby has four names. Isn't that cool? Each one telling us what he's going to do. Wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. That prince of peace phrase, you know what that literally means in the original language? It means the prince whose coming brings peace. Hmm. That ties us all the way back to what the Apostle Paul wrote at the end of this passage in Philippians 4-7. He says, His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Would you bow your heads with me? I wonder how many of us in this room today need peace. Maybe it's peace with God. Maybe it's peace with others. Maybe it's peace in life. And how many of us are dealing with worry and stress and anxiety in certain areas of our life and we need peace and the message that we need to hear today is that God offers peace to us through Jesus. So with no one looking around, no one moving, please just stay, stay put for just a second.